Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Paddle and Fin Podcast. This is your host, Ricketts, host of the Mixed Bag. Today, I have Spencer Bauer with us, and uh, we're going to talk about kayak cat fishing. We're going to talk about uh, bank fishing, multi-species fishing. This guy does everything. If you guys have not heard of Spencer, go to YouTube, check out his uh, channel called River Certified. Uh, tons of good knowledge there. The guy has great content. Spencer, welcome to the show, brother. Really appreciate you having me. Hey, man. So, uh, this is take two, take one. I forgot to hit the record button, so we're going to try this again. Hey, uh, we were just rapping again about tournament fishing, and, and you kind of made some good points. And we have the same thing in the bass world, where it, there is a lot of great camaraderie in tournament fishing, but there is also like uh, some cutthroat and some nastiness associated with that as well. So from your side, what would you – I mean, have you seen that in the catfish world, or is this just like hearsay or – you know, not not a ton. Uh, it's it's definitely not on the level of bass fishing, but it's not on the money level of bass fishing either. Any anytime you get competitive over anything, you don't want to give another guy an advantage, and that leads to keeping quiet about a lot of stuff. And to me, it just takes away from overall camaraderie of of fishing with with and around other people. I just yeah. I would rather go fishing with someone just to enjoy the fishing experience and, and versus competing. I mean, I've competed my whole life. I played four sports in high school. I, I wrestled in college, and I'm just kind of the point where I want to chill out, have fun, and, and kick back and relax, and not not feel a ton of pressure when I'm when I'm out there. You know, I've I've been been doing that for a long time. I, I just want to fish. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, man. And what brought this conversation on, we were talking about the previous episode with Chris Outers and how he was just so willing to educate everybody on tactics and techniques and how to fish for these stuff. And you and mentioned that he was a huge tournament guy. So for a huge tournament guy to come and just do that, I mean, that's remarkable because not everybody's kind of closed lip when it comes to competitive fishing and especially when there's money involved. And I mean, you can't blame them to a sense, but here in Ohio, one of the things Chris and I talked about, I don't know if you experience it out there where you're from. You're in, is it Iowa? Yes. Yeah. So we have a lot of pay lakes around here and the commercial fishermen around here have just like decimated the numbers, but they're on an incline, like they're, they're growing and we're seeing bigger fish in our waters, thankfully through all the regulations. But has that something that's impacted you out there? Or is that something that's not really a thing? Well, first I want to say, not only is Chris Souders like big into tournament fishing, he's like the man. Yes. <laughs> I went in Angler of the Year like two <laughs> or three years in a row. So if he's going to share info, that's a time, at least for me, that I would definitely shut up <laughs> and just listen, <laughs> which doesn't happen very often. Um, as far as, we don't have pay lakes, thank goodness. Um, and especially because we don't have that much water. Like we have the Missouri River on one side and the, the Mississippi on the other, and I'm in the middle and all we have is one main tributary of the Mississippi, the Des Moines, and then a few tributaries off of that and uh, a couple reservoirs. We only have four small flood control impoundments. Mm. And if we had pay lakes where they're targeting trophy fish, they they could do a number, um, but we don't have that. And thankfully, we don't have a bajillion anglers. We have quite a few, but uh, we don't have that much water, so it makes it seem more crowded than it really is. You uh you catch some monster fish though, man. It's if it's like you know huge walleye from the bank, obviously monster catfish, and you kind of you get with Denny a lot, which uh, he and I chatted. He's going to be a guest on the show too. So I've seen you guys connect that style of catfishing, that style of like combat river catfishing. I love that, man. Like it is, it is absolutely phenomenal. So is how high is the water? Let me rephrase that, man. How high does it need to be before you won't get on it? Because some of the t sometimes when you guys are fishing, you're fishing, you're parking on strainers, following, oh, yeah. following you know root balls and stuff like that. So does it ever get hairy, or you know, do you kind of push the limits on on water level and and uh, um, CFS and stuff like that, or do you just kind of play it safe? If it looks high, you don't touch it. Well, with our rivers, when the people look at them, and even at flood stage, they're still only flowing like four-ish miles an hour. Yeah. And when they're flooded, you have a lot of room. If you're on a dinky little creek that's roaring um, and you don't have a lot of room between strainers and stuff, then it can get hairy. But on our bigger rivers, it's, it's honestly not that big of a deal. <laughs> and when they're low, it, it kind of sucks at times because if you get a strong upstream breeze, you got to like paddle down current. So when they're, when they're up, it don't bother me any. You wear your life jacket, you go with somebody else. And if you're ever in a situation where you don't feel comfortable, you just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, we as kayak fishermen, we like to push those boundaries sometimes, man. I have some friends here locally that their favorite time to get out on the water is when it's blown out because they oh, have yeah. it down to the science. They know when the river's rushing by, they're going to hit the mouths of tributaries and those fish are going to stack up in there and they just nail them all day long. So, you know, over here, it's it, with that kind of sport, man, it's it, for most of the year also, like even right now. I tried to go fishing last night and the river's just completely blown out. I mean, it was impossible to to throw out with all the debris and stuff, but Ohio gets flooded out of five months out of the year, probably easily, you know, mm -hmm. and it gets really bad. So I don't know if you guys experience the same thing, but your style of, of fishing, man, I love 
how you guys pull up next to some some kind of structure and just park and just wait for those fish to slam. And when you get takedowns, man, they're monster takedowns. So you really have to be confident in your gear. Um, back when you started, how did you get into this sport? Like what made you want to do this? Well, actually my first time kayak fishing, well, I've always been a cat fisherman. I grew up in Southern Iowa, little dinky Creek channel cat fishing. But when I started kayak fishing, I, I was, I spent two summers living in South Texas and I got really big into shark fishing off the beach. Yeah. <laughs> like the first time I ever ran baits, I swam baits out for sure. Oh, yeah, I did too. That's funny. And, uh, I was like, I need to come up with a better way. So I got a inflatable <laughs> raft and then, uh, saved my money up and ended up getting a kayak and for running shark baits, but you need bait. So I used the kayak to go catch bait when you'd see birds working off the beach on Padre and stuff. And that's how I, I really got into kayak fishing. And I ended up graduating college, had to grow up and move back to Iowa to, to wrap up college, I guess. But um, I've stayed here ever since. And I had this kayak and I'm like, well, I'd like to catfish. Catfish are the, the next best thing to uh, saltwater fish as far as fight goes. Yeah, for sure. I, I need to figure out. I, I mean, I can use this kayak to get to water that other people can't because we don't have a lot of water and getting away from the pressure is really big as far as catching fish consistently. Yeah. Do you, so you, I mean, you mentioned the pressure before it must be, there must be a lot of anglers that probably hit the same spot over and over. Is that what you experience like on weekends and stuff? Yeah, there's, there's a few easily accessible spots that, that just, that do get a lot of pressure and I'll, I'll fish them at times if the water conditions and time of year are right. But for the most part, I just try to get away from everybody. I'm, I'm going to go for a really nice long walk along the river after this and check out some spots that I haven't seen in a while. And yeah. hopefully, I mean, it's Operation Early Season Flathead. We're, we're like a, six weeks too early at, at the minimum, but I'm going to give it a try anyway. Yeah, usually here, uh, water temps need to hit about between 50 and 55, and the flatheads will start to pick up. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, but the blues all went along. The blues are, are moving around. I have a one of our local anglers here uh, is a competitive bass fisherman during the spring and summer. But when the fall and winter hits, he switches that over to hybrid stripers because we have a lot of hybrid stripers here. I love hybrid stripers. Man, I tell you what, pound for pound, they'll be right up there with the uh, with the catfish on a fight level because they oh, seriously they're awesome. Stronger. Yeah. They're monsters, man. I love catching those things. They're about ready to wake up here too. Uh, there's a few getting caught, and I'm like yeah. chomping at the bit. I'd rather catch those in walleyes, to tell you the truth. Man, I, I've hooked in my fair share of the hybrids too, and they were a blast. And if you ever decide to keep a few, they have, they taste freaking phenomenal too. Uh, they they're really good to eat. Though. Yeah, <laughs> and, and poor man's lobster, man. They make good poor man's lobster too. So yes. it's uh it's good, dude. I uh we. I had a buddy hook into about a 10 pound walleye on a fishing trip this summer. We were doing a video for T uh, Torquedo kayak fishing and we had Jeff little was a guest and me that and the Kurt Smith's the angler that we were uh, just, I was just talking about the likes to do hybrid fishing. Um, we were all just kind of parked. It was at the end of a riffle went to a pool and it was starting to shallow up and go down to another riffle, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, my buddy, Nate, who's also our local dealer shop manager, was standing up on his kayak and he was just throwing a crankbait like a blue bluegill color and he hit this freaking monster fish and the problem was is that the river current was starting to carry him down those riffles and he was standing up so it was great to be you know it was like panic time it was great to turn bad so jeff little he yells just 
boat flip it, you know, and he flips this thing. And what we thought was it just a big smallmouth ended up being a walleye, probably in a 10 pound range easily. So he got it three, four feet up in the air and his rod snapped and it cut his line and there it went, you know, and then he went, luckily he fell back down his kayak and, and made it. He didn't fall out, but Dude, the walleyes are something that I'm going to try to target too eventually. I want to go to like uh, Lake Erie. I heard they're monster walleye out there. So it's it's a different world. I, my buddy Ryan, and he's been in several of my videos. He he uh, he used to go there every year, and every year they'd catch multiples over 30 inches, talking 10 to 13 pounders. Wow, that's insane. But I couldn't it's, imagine. It's, it's trolling. You know, you're not holding the rod in your hand, you don't feel yeah. the bite. To me, that wouldn't be quite as fun, but it would be so cool to see a walleye of that caliber. So you you will keep some of the catfish that you catch too, right? You're not strictly just catch and release? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I ate one on the bank two days ago. <laughs> I think that is freaking awesome. I've never ate flathead, man. So what does that taste compared to like channel cat or a blue cat? It's it's fattier meat. It's more tender. Um and it's it, you say freshwater lobster. It really is the freshwater lobster, especially really? belly meat. It's you, you know if you have like hybrids are this good and flatheads are on a totally different level. Like walleyes oh are really gosh. good. I I I love eating walleye. I had walleye yesterday. I did I'm gonna have a walleye catch and cook video coming out. But uh, flatheads they are phenomenal and really they're they're tough to keep catch. You know. Um, you don't catch very many, so I kind of have a hard time keeping them because every time I keep one, I'm like, well, there goes my odds of catching another one a little bit. Yeah. But, but I, I, if I keep one, I keep like a five-pounder, and, and I kept one last year, and I think I kept two the year before that. And they, yeah. They just t- taste too good not to keep a little one. Do you um, – are they hard to skin? Uh, they, you, I clean them just like a, a catfish. I flay them out and flip them over and then cut the meat off the skin and then do the same thing with the belly meat. Man, see, I've never had too. belly meat before. That's to me, that sounds kind of gross. But I mean, you said it's good, huh? Oh, on flatheads, I've never had belly meat off of channel cats or blues. I think yeah. it's it's a little gamier on them. I don't know. That's that's hearsay. I've never eaten it. It's just what I hear from other people. But I I can attest, flathead belly meat is the number one in my opinion freshwater fish out there. Wow. Okay. So um, here in Ohio, we don't really keep a lot of flatheads just because they're they were decimated, you know, the pay lakes hold a ton of them, but sure. we, sure. so we don't really, uh, I, I tend to release more than I catch. Uh, I have caught a few hybrids, but for catfish, I've always trying to recall. Yeah. I think I've always thrown them back, mm-hmm. but I've seen, you know, you're, I think you're the first guy I've heard that flays them just like a normal fish. I've seen guys use pliers and, and peel the skin off because they think it's easier it's that way. Long. It's yeah. just a giant pain. I used to do that. And if you got a good sharp knife, you can literally just flay them like any other fish. And you get a lot of meat off those flatheads? Oh, yeah. If you yeah. If you get a seven-pound flathead and you clean it correctly, you can get four or five pounds of meat off of it easily. Because the only thing left when you're done with it is the head and the guts. Nice. Okay. And, and like I said, I don't keep very many. I keep one a year. And last year yeah. I caught 54 and I kept one. Oh, my five. gosh. So you were uh, like that's not bragging or anything. That's, no, that's insane. Was that statistic? That was from the bank and from a kayak, both. Yeah, and and I fish out of a boat occasionally. My my yeah. thing is like whatever puts the fish on the hook the best. And if somebody wants to take me out in a boat, I'll go out in a boat. I sold my boat last June, and 
I'm, I'm definitely saved a lot more money since I've saved <laughs> I hear that a lot, dude. All the boat guys say that. Um, Steve Douglas just posted something up on his Facebook page about having to get a boat repair, and he put, there goes another thousand. You know, oh, it, was, yeah. it was kind of funny. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. That's killer, man. Um, so you went down to the Catfish Conference this year, and I heard that there was no kayaks down there at all. There wasn't. And the year before, I, this was my second year. The year before, there was a pile of kayaks down there. I don't, I don't know what the, the deal was. I guess I could have been instrumental in pushing that a little bit more, but I get busy doing my stuff too, and then other For things sure. kind of fall off the wayside. But it was unfortunate not to see any kayaks down there. Yeah, when I when I wrapped up the last my previous episode with Chris, uh, Steve had reached out to me and he, he wants me to help get some more kayaks down there and get uh, more kayak anglers there as well. And then, uh, he wants to, well, I, I'll tell you that off camera. I can't tell you this one on camera. It's under wraps right now, but yeah. I'll be working, collaborating with him with some other stuff too. But, um, cool. yeah, man. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get more anglers down there because maybe a lot of people don't know about this, but, um, Kayak Bass Fishing, the KBF, which is huge on the bass side, they actually just partnered with a guy out of Tennessee, and they're having a KBF catfish trail now. Yep, that's yeah. Ron. Ron runs yeah, that. Yeah, Ron. Yep. So I think that's pretty awesome. I think it's going to draw a lot more people to the sport. And we have Duke Westcamp from Catch Products Inc. Phenomenal mm -hmm. dude. He's making big catch boards now that yep. um, he's got two last week. Oh, actually. did you get it? Did you get yep. the foldable one? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. He's sending one to me too, and then he's actually prototyping another one. That's it's going to be uh, different. It's going to be bigger than that. So um, should have held out, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's. He's told me a little bit about it, and it's supposed to be pretty awesome. But you know, it, it's going to be it's it'll be huge. So it's going to be a lot to look around. That would be the downside of not having a foldable hey, one. Forty-eight inch board. It's a po the possibility of getting a fish longer than that's very real, and it would suck to get like a 52 inch flathead or my biggest blue cat was 52 inches long and I'd be short for four inches on that board. Oh but my gosh. I don't fish very many tournaments, but I got talked into fishing one the end of April if they're still going to have it. And I is that the uh, April 18th one? No, it's uh, or is it the first weekend of May? It's down in Milford, Lake Milford in Kansas for, for big blue cats. Oh, nice. Okay. I, um, I like to compete for fun. Like if my buddies, if they say, Hey man, we're going to do this tournament. Do you want to fish? I'm like, yeah, I'll fish against you guys. Cause then it's just, we'll just rib each other and rip on each oh, other yeah. and that kind of stuff. And that makes it fun. I try not to get, cause I'm real competitive too. I played sports all through high school and stuff, man. And, and that competitive streak in me kind of overrides the fun. So it'll take it like, Hey, I'm hanging out with some buddies, having a good time, throwing some baits. And then I'll start getting really pissed off. Like, you know, like get the hell away from me. I'm, I'm going to win, you know, and it, I, it's a whole new animal. So I don't like that part of it, but I'm, I'm hoping that the, uh, the KBF partner up with, with Ron and the catfishing world, I hope that's going to explode because if there's a, there's a very good, real chance that <clears throat> kayak catfishing is going to be just as big as kayak bass fishing. You well, know? it's definitely got the possibility and it's, and it's growing up fast and just 
for so everybody knows it's called Trophy Catfish Kayak Anglers TCKA. You can look it up on Facebook. They got a group on there, and they give updates for all their tournaments. They post standings. They do month longs. They do statewide challenges, and I need to get in on that more. I mean, I've been guilty of not really participating. My problem yeah. is lots of times when I go kayaking, I'll, I'll float a stretch of river and then I'll fish on the bank, and that's yeah, it. and then to go to sleep. You know, you wake up, the clickers rolling. <laughs> that that would make it. If I had to fish out of a kayak all night, it definitely cut into your motivation and cut into, um, you know, it, it'd make it harder for you want to go fishing as much. I I enjoy being comfortable. If I'm yeah. comfortable, I'm going to fish longer, and I think everybody's the same way. And I should quit making excuses. I have a board now. I should do it. <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd probably jump in on a month long during a, a good time of year to catch some flatheads. That trail also, man, they have uh, um, events per state, too. So there's like a handful of states. I know Ohio is one of them, so they'll have a state challenge. That's mm-hmm. usually, I think it's a 24-hour challenge. The next one, I believe, starts on April 18th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then they have some other ones. So yeah, definitely check that out, man. If you guys are into catfishing, I think it's going to be huge. And the fact that we have Chad Hoover back in it and now Duke West camp back in it, that's big too. I think it's yeah, pretty awesome. Big steps right there. Man. So what, uh, tell us about your YouTube channel. What made you want to start doing YouTube videos? Yeah. I mean, I, I watched it. I wish I would have got in on it earlier. Everybody says that. And I remember sitting back thinking, Man, there's not that many like really high-end production YouTube videos out there that you can watch because I geek out on research. I'm a big science nerd, and I try to learn everything I can. And that When I had that thought, that's when I should have started it. But a couple years after that, my wife got me a camera for, Chris, or for my birthday or Christmas or something. And I was like, oh, if I have this camera, I might as well – I better use it, you know? Otherwise, it's a waste of money. So I, I started editing videos and kind of fell in love with it. You know, I, I love fishing more than editing the videos, but I like making stuff, and that's just a new avenue of creating things. Nice. Right on. How many uh, – you, you were starting to get a handful of subscribers, too. How many are you up to now? Uh, 19,000-something. Yeah, that's crazy. That's awesome, man. So, I mean, you're getting paid from that, thankfully, right? Yeah. It's just kind of a cool perk. It makes it feel like a part-time job a little bit in the best yeah. way possible, you know? Yeah. Now you've picked up a few sponsors uh, along the way as well. Is that that's also correct? Yeah, I, I try not to have a, a ton of them because I only want to be sponsored by companies that I really, 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 really like. You yeah. know, I don't be lying to anybody or pushing something that I don't love myself. So I, right. I have like three or four is all. Yeah, I was checking out. Uh, I was checking out your rod sponsor, and that's Whisker Seeker Tackle. That, that's correct. Did I get that yes. right? Yep. So, man, their rods are really intriguing. And I've been looking and looking and researching and watching videos. And I watch you and I watch Denny. Um, I think I'm going to pull the trigger on a few of those because I think those are just the perfect kayak catfish rod. They're not too oh. big. Yeah. They're, they're not too long. So tell us about those rods, man. Well, you nailed it because there's, there's this push for these short kayak rods, which if that's what you like, that's what you like. Go for it. I don't because you hook a really big fish and – they move you. They're moving your kayak, and you. They're moving you. <laughs> I mean, you're not always completely in control. And they'll run around the front of your kayak. They'll run around the back. And if you got a short five and a half foot fishing rod, you can't go around the end as effectively as you can with a seven and a half. Or I'll even run a nine and a half footer just to give myself a little better angle mm-hmm. um, when I'm setting up stream of structure. 
and they're light. There's a lot of big, beefy fiberglass rods out there. These are composite. They're, they're carbon and S-glass composite. So it gives them a little give to lob cast natural baits, but it, it gives the lower section more rigidity and more backbone. So you can move a fish away from structure when you hook them. And all of that is still not that heavy. Yeah. It's not big, heavy, beefy fiberglass, all fiber, fiberglass blank like a lot of them are. Right? I mean, I could go on and on. There's a million other things I like about them, but that, that's got to be the top. No, I'm interested, man. I, w- I want to hear everything about it because I know I definitely want some. Um, I, I have a few of the traditional catfish rods, like two of my my trolling rods. I like to call them trolling rods, but they're the warrior cat roller rods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy those. But I'm kind of the same way, dude. I cannot stand a broomstick for a rod. And that's not a knock against those companies that make those. It's just my personal preference, you know. Right. No, I'm the I'm not quite the same way. I There's a time and place where I love a big, beefy fiberglass rod. You know, I think they're great for durability. You're not going to hardly be able to break them. They're going to last forever. And if you're fishing just on the bank or just out of a boat and you want to use a big fiberglass fishing rod that's heavy and bulky, that's absolutely a great tool for landing giant fish. I mean, people have been doing it in saltwater forever. For sure. But when you're sitting on your butt in a, in a kayak in a complex <laughs> position where you don't, can't use your whole body for leverage when you're hooked into a 40, 50, maybe even if you get lucky, 100-pound fish, I don't want to be just fight. I want to just fight the fish. I don't want to fight the equipment when I'm sitting down like that. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point, man. That's the first time I've ever thought of it from that angle or from that point of view. So um, we we touched just a little bit on your river fishing, how you like to do it from a kayak and how you butt up against structure and stuff. So tell us about, man, walk us through a day on the river, like how you would set up the gear you'd use, the rigs you would use, you know, tell us for those listeners who may not do this what i'm calling combat style of river fishing man tell us like walk us through for a beginner what you would do what you would advise things like that well first thing i gotta talk someone into going through all the the crap that goes with it (laughs) because sometimes you're pulling over like log jams to get to the other side to float down the river (laughs) usually that's denny or or ryan or i got a few other buddies who who go along with me but you got to do that to set up a shuttle otherwise you're paddling upstream so we'll, we'll throw all our gear in, in our kayaks in one truck, and we'll go park one truck at the takeout, then haul our gear upstream, then dump our kayaks in, and we'll, we'll float downriver. And I'm, I hate fishing the same stretches, the same places over and over again. There's some places I will because they're close and convenient, but if I can go out and explore a new river, I do as much as I can. Um, but we'll, we'll just float down till we look – I mean – there's tons of structure on the river that looks like it has potential and there's certain times a year where you want to hit everything. But if you're floating 10 miles, hitting each spot for 10 to 20 minutes a piece, that's going to eat up a ton of your time. So we try to focus on like the prime stuff. And what would be prime what, stuff? Uh, it, it, it changes based on time of year, but a general rule of thumb coming up is big brush piles early in the year. Big brush piles are where it's at. Mm. Uh, concrete slabs like not not little chunk rock like that but i'm talking slabs of concrete the size of me is the type of stuff you're looking for things that have big cavities that a big fish can hide under because they're uh they're i i kind of compare them to vampires they'll tuck up underneath stuff and i'm talking flatheads here other catfish do too but 
Flathead's yeah. notorious. They'll completely tuck underneath these things during the day. And then when it starts to get dark, they'll come out. But early in the year, they, uh, they're more likely to come out during the day. You don't have to get a bait as close. You know, they'll move five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten feet sometimes to, to eat a bait. But anyway, so we'll look for big, complex pieces of structure early in the year. At least I do. And there's more than one way to kill a cat, but that's what I do. And we'll, we'll float. You know, sometimes those are a couple miles apart. We'll float from one piece to the next, and we'll pick it apart when we're there. That way we're covering a ton of ground. We're spending most of our time focusing on those prime stretches of river. And it's, it's a lot like musky fishing for catfish. Instead of casting a million times, you're trying to hit as many different spots, pick them apart, and you're looking, I mean, in one eight-hour day, you're looking for one to two bites, generally speaking. Wow. So and, you mentioned that they move, they, they, they'll they move throughout the day as well. I always kind of figured that most of your flatheads specifically uh, were nocturnal feeders, man. So that's, and they hunker down during the day. So you're saying it may be opposite on that? No, it's it's more of a seasonal thing. Pre-spawn, mm. what, what they do, and this is just reflective of the tracking surveys that I read over, they tend to travel long distances at night as they move towards their spawning areas. And then during the day, they'll they'll find a piece of structure, they'll just hunker under it. But they're so ramped up, their metabolism's so boosted as they try to get as much food in them before they, they lay their eggs because, you know, the female dumps her eggs and she's, well, she'll lose a lot of weight there. And then the male sits on the eggs for a couple weeks without eating anything. So they're trying they're trying to get as much food as they can and because they're so aggressive at that time they're going to move further during the day to eat a bait than they will after the spawn. So when would you say well first I got two questions. When is the best time to hit them pre-spawn and when do they spawn? Um it's regional for us and it's funny cuz people have like a, a a run of bad luck and they'll be like oh they're spawning early this year can't catch anything. <laughs> But um, as a general rule, the month of June in Iowa and probably the similar latitudes, so Illinois, northern Illinois, and then uh, I guess it would be Nebraska, northern Nebraska. Okay. Those uh, states along that range, the end of May in through the month of June is probably my favorite time to, to get on numbers of fish, and that seems to be when I usually get my big fish. Mm. Um, August and September can be real good, and... I've, I guess it's kind of a coin flip. I love June. I love August. I love September. Yeah. But the nice thing about June is um, high water doesn't hurt you. It seems like high water hurts you when you transition into the fall period, but high water just keeps them moving more and more and more. Interesting. I'm thinking here, I think when uh, Chris, Chris Souders told me April is the time to start getting on them here. Yeah. And they spawn in May. Yeah. yeah. So they, that's they awesome. They spawn in July here for the most part. So what are these navigational charts that you were just saying or, or spawning charts that you just touched based on, man? So to, for people to educate themselves, if they want to get into this style of fishing, what websites and, and go-tos would you direct them to? Because you just hit on that. And you, it sounds like you got a lot of information on that chart that you read. You know, most of my stuff comes from studies that are cited by in fishermen, you know, back in the day. There's a, a bunch of books that have cliff notes from those tracking surveys. Uh, one would be Catfish Fundamentals. Probably have it right here. No, it's in the other room. Anyway, they, they have cliff notes from those. And then if you dig deeper, there's there's other studies you can find online. I, 
I'd have to, I have them saved on a Google Doc. Oh, nice. All from, all from different websites. And some of them are new, some of them are old. Majority of the ones that I have are old because I got those links and copied those surveys when I was in college and had access to like EBSCO host the scholarly journals and stuff like that. Yeah. So some of that information isn't available to the general public. I was just, I just saved it when I had the chance. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com. Oh, that's awesome, man. So you're you're freaking walking book of knowledge, man. See, this is why I like to get people like you on here is that we can talk about this stuff because <clears throat> a lot of people don't know where to find this and they won't have access to that kind of information. And so I uh, definitely appreciate you talking about that. So when you're parking up next to these huge structures, right, mm-hmm. I, I watch you, man, you're not really casting out and waiting. You're, you're dropping your line, reeling up maybe a few feet and holding on. So what what pound tests are you running on you on your rods like leaders like tell me about your your catfish setup when you're doing this style of fishing to me it, i i use the heaviest stuff i can get away with in a kayak and if, if i was fishing in a boat all the time i'd use even heavier gear because i've had enough heartbreaks as it is but when you get snagged in a kayak you're not a completely solid platform so it's tough to break your line lots of times for sure and that's why i'll use 85 pound braid and then a 50 pound mono leader. Um, but if I was in a boat, I'd use 60 or 80. And then people look at that like, oh my gosh, you could land a tuna on that. And you're you're absolutely right. You could land a tuna on way light tuna on way lighter gear, but you have room to <laughs> let them run. You know, yeah. if you hook a 50 pounder, you can't give him an inch. You're hanging on, thumb on the spool, and you got to get him out of there. And if he gets his head down underneath something, if he gets his head turned away from you, he's gone. I mean, you, you'll get lucky sometimes and people are like, oh, just use the drag. You can't, there can be no drag. I, I crank the, the star drags down on my reel as far as I can go, practically beat them with a hammer and then put my <laughs> thumb on the spool and I, you're coming out of there and either the fish comes out or he gets under a snag or the line breaks. Those are the three things that are going to happen. Oh my gosh. So the way you got, I watched the takedowns too on the videos, man. And it's just like a tap and then boom. I mean, I've never seen rod slams like that other than saltwater fishing. So dude, what's that like? I mean, that's gotta be an adrenaline rush to just have that thing slam right next to your boat like that. Well, the thing with flatheads and, um, they don't normally hit it that hard. There's they occasionally will you feel the thump cause they suck the bait in just like a walleye does. They flare their gills open their mouth and create a vacuum and suck that bait in. And when you have a, when they, you have a fish with a mouth as big as a five gallon bucket, they're moving a lot of water and that's a real big thump. So you can actually feel the thump lots of times in your whole kayak. Your rod will just be sitting there and it'll go boop and your no kayak kidding. will vibrate. And you'll look at the rods cause they don't go down right away. Usually you'll feel the thump and you'll look at the rods and you're like, which one is it? Which one is it? And then one will start going bobbing and just start going down. And once he starts feels that hook, that's when he pings it straight. It just locks down. And that's no when I kidding. set the hook. 
That's awesome, man. See, I never knew that either. I just thought they would they would attack it. Do you have a certain technique that you use pre-spawn and post-spawn when you're fishing or post-spawn? Are you like, screw it, I'm going to go fish for something else for a few weeks and leave them alone because they're so closed-lipped? You know, I used to do that, the, and I still do a little bit. I, I slow down on flathead fishing when they're in the spawn, and I'll fish for hybrid stripers because July is a great time to get on a bunch of hybrids, and they're a lot of fun, and it's a nice change of pace. Instead of getting, you know, two bites every eight hours, you're you're catching fish hand over fist lots of times if you hit it right. Right. But, uh, there, there's They don't all spawn at the same time, and you'll have some fish that spawn the end of June, You'll have some fish that are still spawning in the beginning of August, but there's there's definitely a period where major more fish are spawning than not spawning. Um, but I'll still go after them instead of fishing for them, you know, two to five days a night or five days five days a week. I'll fish for them maybe one to three, if the depending on what the river looks like. Interesting. What kind of bait are you throwing? Um, whatever I can get that's legal, really. Um, I'd love to use live shad but using them out of a kayak's just not practical majority of my bait is bullheads and that's my favorite nighttime bait i don't know why i haven't done that well on them during the day i know people do catch them on bullheads during the day i i just prefer green sunfish and and, and bluegills during the day mm-hmm. i don't i don't it probably doesn't make a difference it's probably all in my head it's just yeah. an observation of mine so yeah you you don't go with uh skipjack huh we don't we don't have them uh yeah. they're I actually hooked a skipjack in the Des Moines River closer to where it dumps in the Mississippi, and that was the first time I've ever seen that. But we had a ton of high water this last yeah. summer. Wow. So, man, one of the things Chris touched base on and I thought was really interesting, too, is the use of demon dragons. Do you use those? We um, – a lot of people don't know this. The originator of the, the demon dragon was Whisker Secret – tackle and they call them ultra chub and, oh i didn't know that yeah most people don't and they just didn't push them like a lot of other companies do they push their their rattles and things like that uh, but they carry them and i'll use those ultra chubs do they do i think they make an absolute difference i'd say sometimes yeah and i always put something that has rattles on it out i never put it on put them on every single rod but, uh, cause sometimes I think they want subtle, mm-hmm. it's just uh, a day to day season by season basis. But pre-spawn is the time where I want my bait to be really loud and make a lot of commotion and get their attention. And, but, uh, post-spawn I might use I mean, I'll, I'll have a rattle on one rod. We can use three with a third pull permit, but, uh, usually I'll just put it on one rod post. Okay. With cut bait or live bait? Yeah, mostly live bait. Uh, you want it to jiggle and move. That's well in current. It's still wiggling even with cut bait, which is is a nice thing. And you, you know they'll eat cut bait. Well, some people say they don't, but you know I've I've caught a handful of really nice fish on cut bait. And sometimes, as a general rule, I use big chunks of cut bait. But last year I caught a handful of fish on just you know a little piece of creek chub, you know the size of your thumb or something like that. Oh no kidding. Uh, I would think, man, that if it's during the spawn and, and they've laid their eggs and the males are protecting those beds, man, that you would want to pitch a bluegill out there with one of those demon dragons. And I'm thinking the bluegill because the bluegill are like an, a predator to the flathead sure. catfish because they well, eat their eggs all the time. Any any live fish would, you know, consider 
could be a predator to the flatheads, but I've caught them on cut bait during the spawn. And similar yeah. to what you're saying, you I'll walk a bait along places where they're likely to spawn, and sometimes you catch them that way. So you don't spend a lot of time during one spot, and I think that's something that's failed me in the past. Uh, and, and again, I've been out of the catfish game for a while. I'm just getting back into it this year. Um, but previously, I would spend more time at one spot waiting for them if they're even there to hit, but you kind of dissect it differently, five or 10 minutes here or 10 to 20 minutes. And then you're just moving, 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 moving. So do you think that's more beneficial to do that? Or do you think it's more beneficial to like hunker down and just wait for them to move? There's a time and place for both. If you're, yeah. like I said, I like to try new water. And when I'm trying new water, I'm going to, I want to go through and survey as much as I possibly can. And you know, honestly, 10 to 20 minutes is a long, a lot longer than I would fish then. I might fish a single area for 10 to 20 minutes, but my bait's only sitting in one spot for about five or six, because it seems like if you're going to get bit by a flathead and you're in the area where he's going to eat, it's less than a minute. Like the, you cast it out, it hits the bottom, sits there for 30 seconds to a minute and the rod's going down. And every minute after that, the chances just go down and down and down. It's not that you, it doesn't happen where you get them after your minute or five minutes or you've been sitting on a spot for an hour and then all of a sudden he comes out. It, it happens. But the the amount of times that happens versus the instant bite is significantly less. So I'll, I'll, I might fish a piece of structure for 20 minutes, but each of those baits is getting moved after five or six or seven or eight minutes. No kidding. So when, when you're moving them, you're just, you're talking about moving from spot to spot. Or are you moving just like casting out different sections of the river when you're parked? When I'm parked. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it just depends on the structures. So Pre-spawn, you're fish, fishing complex structure, you know, multiple trees shoved up against a cut bank. And there's multiple high percentage areas within that that you want to check out. Whereas later in the year, I'm not fishing structure that has so many different crevices and things. Uh, I'm fishing like single log laydowns and stuff like that. Yeah. Where, you know, you fish that five, six, seven, eight minutes. All right, covered it. Move on to the next one. Then move on to the next one. Then move on to the next one. Interesting. So, do you prefer to to fish the rivers when they're at normal pool or when they're when they're up? If I'm daytime fishing, high water makes it tough. Uh, usually, if the water's high in June, I'll find a river that isn't as high, or I'll just fish at night because I'm, I know there's a way you can get on them during the day. I'm just, I just haven't had the success as when it's a lower flow during the day. Yeah. It's probably more challenging at night too, especially from a kayak, man. I mean, visibility's poor and yeah, I imagine that you, you're going to have to rig your, your kayak up with a lot of lights and stuff, right? Well, I'm kind of a creature of the night, man. And I've been night fishing for a long time like most of my knots i tie without turning the light on i that's oh one gosh. thing I, I try to minimize light as much as i can and that seems to make a big difference this is i don't even know if i should say this um <laughs> this is the the thing that most people miss and if you're out there and your number one goal is to just have fun sure be loud be bright play music whatever if your number one goal is to catch fish and have a good time, be quiet, be dark at night. Um, my fishing log reflects that significantly because I catch twice as many fishing by myself. No kidding. Yep. And I, no one is more quiet than me. No one is, has lights on less than I do. 
And even if your buddy you're fishing with is quiet, two people are still twice as loud as one person. Yeah. And Interesting. Think, like, this giant fish would be like the king of the river, you know, not scared of anything. And they're just like 50 pound teddy bears, apparently, that um, are scared of, you know, getting eaten just like everything else. So you're not even using a red light, huh? Um, that, that would be the, the maximum I like to use is a red light. Yeah. And people say, why don't you turn on more lights in your videos? I only turn a light on uh, if a fish is on the line. Otherwise, it is completely dark. No kidding. So do you find them more shallow at night, um, or do you still find them hunkered down under these these uh, different types of structure? There's a ton of different ways to look at it. Um, every, every tracking survey I've looked at, and you would think they would go be deep during the day and shallow at night, the results were inconclusive all the way. It's really? like, but there, you got to think of it this way too. They rule the river. There is no fish that dictates their location. Flatheads, um, at least in small rivers, dictate where channel cats eat because channel cats don't want to be on the menu. So they avoid places flatheads frequent. There's nothing telling a flathead where he can go and can't go except for one that's way bigger. Right. So they, they do what they want when they want, where they want. And there's some tendencies that are just natural tendencies, but I catch them deep during the day, deep at night. I catch them shallow during the day, shallow at night. No kidding. You're going to have to come up off that document, man. You're going to yeah. you're gonna have to email that shit over. I'm going to need to look at that. Um, I heard Channel Cat was pretty good bait, man. Uh, um, who's that guy that always bank fishes down in Tennessee? Dave? Catfish Dave. Catfish Dave. He, that guy's awesome. Dude, he is awesome, isn't he? I'd like to get him on here just to talk about bank fishing because that dude catches monster fish, man, and yes. consistently. Yes. Like, he, he is fortunate to be living in a place where there are absolute monsters of all species. I think the one thing I love about him, too, he, he's not scared to stir the pot a little bit, you know? No, I get a, I get a kick out of that, too. <laughs> If somebody's hating on him, he'll just call him out in their video or call him out on Facebook and then post this, you know, big ass fish while he's doing it. I think it's just, I think it's freaking hysterical, man. That dude cracks me up, but he, yes. he actually was fishing with a uh, filleted channel cat and was smashing them too. Oh yeah. Um, there's been a few times where you'll be like, I do, I, I like to go wade in small streams yeah. and you'll, t there's times where you can just whack and stack channel cats in these small rivers, like no joke, 50, 60, 70 fish a day. Um, two to 12 pounders, like real nice ones, and you'll run out of bait. So you catch a two pounder, you flay them out, and you can cook some on the bank, and whatever's left over, you get to put on a hook, and you can catch tons of catfish on catfish. That's crazy. That's awesome. I've seen, uh, I've, I've watched a lot of your videos for sure. I think one day I binged them. I couldn't even tell you, probably for a couple hours binge, binge watch the videos just because it's so intriguing man that you just don't stick to one thing it's like i'm gonna go sleep on this riverbank and throw some rods out you'll crash out eat some hard-boiled eggs wake up and there's freaking fish on the line right you know what i mean so i mean it's your, your videos i think what's so cool about them man is they're more of like a uh, i would say like a vlog slash documentary like you're documenting once you're doing it what's going on but you're kind of vlogging at the same time but it's not real flashy it's not real you know you don't have all this expensive camera gear you're just a dude out there with one camera just showing what's going on in the realism of it and people are freaking eating that up man i mean nineteen thousand are growing that says something that 
what you're doing right. So, I mean, if you guys, again, River Certified's YouTube channel, you guys got to check his stuff out because it's, it's definitely a different way and it's a cool way to, to do what you're doing. So, um, I'm still interested in the gear you're throwing, brother. So how did you get picked up by Whisker Seeker? Dumb luck. Just being a good person. You know, me and Denny fished a little bit together and, um, he talked about how he's making videos and stuff. And then I got my camera and I started dabbling in it a little bit. And he posted a video on, on their Facebook page and the owner reached out to him and asked him if he knew any other dudes who, who kayaked fish for catfish. And he just dropped my name and it, it worked out from there. I, you know, and it was just when I, when I just started, you know, like I yeah. just posted a video or two and, and Denny was nice enough to mention me and, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's just cool how it worked out. That's awesome. They seem like a killer company to be rep by. I know, you know, they, once they, I kick this off. Are. I can't say enough good things about the owner. He is yeah. absolutely awesome. And he's he's awesome to the customers. Like he'll he'll bend over backwards to to make things work out for the customers. And he does the same thing with with all of us on the pro staff too. That's awesome, man. They got a good warranty on the rods. It's like uh what, one year? Is it one year or two year? it's two or five two or five okay yeah you won't find yeah. a better warranty i've seen those rods doubled over and not snap i mean i was denny hooked into one i was like is that rod gonna hold out man because he even well, said he's like god's oh, cracking a little bit <laughs> he likes the medium heavies I'm, i i prefer the heavy power for flatheads and blues and to yeah. speak to the durability i would had my old colorado i you know, those one, they're one piece. So they'd only fit in the bed of the truck at an angle. And I had a 50 quart cooler full of bullheads and full of water, full of bullheads. And I was going to one of my graduate classes. Anyway, I got on this on-ramp and was looking over my oh, left no. shoulder to merge. <laughs> and I'm merging and I look back in front of me and all I see is brake lights. And I slam on the brakes. I hear that cooler slide up and smack the, the, the cab of the truck. I'm like, oh no, because those rods were in there at an angle. Yeah. I smoked yeah. them. And I'm like, oh great. Now I get to replace two fishing rods. Well, I drive to class and I get in the back and pull the cooler forward and they were bent, but they're fine. And I'm still using them today. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. What reels you got paired up with them? Abus. Abu Garcia 6500s for flatheads and blues. I used to use 7000s, but yeah. it's just not necessary unless you're going to use mono. They, they cast like a dream. They and do cast like a dream. Yeah. Cast like a dream. They're just a, an enjoyable reel to fish with. You know, there's lots of reels out there that get the job done, but it's kind of like the whisker seeker odds. They're, they're light, they're powerful, and they're just a joy to fish with. And they nice. pair up pretty well. Do you leave them stock or do you upgrade like the gears and stuff like people do? I put power handles on them. Um, I replace the drag when I need them. But as far as the the gear, the bearings, I don't put Boca bearings or anything in there because, you know, they cast like a dream. Um, but I don't have to make 100, 150 yard casts on a consistent basis. So I right. just leave them as is. 
Oh, right on, man. That's interesting. What other gear from uh, Whisker Seeker do you use? Just the uh, you. I think you you touched base on the rattles, man. Tell us about that because there's the Demon Dragons, and then Whisker Seeker makes these little rattles, right? Yeah. Well, they got a bunch of different stuff. They got the Ultra Chub, which is um, Zerispook style rattle that you can mm-hmm. tie on the leader, and then they got a uh, floats that have a wire running through them with beads on both ends that rattle around. They got one with a propeller. Um, one's the details get me any anyway they're all on the website but my favorite ones are the verse rattles they're they're little they're, there's not a whole lot to them but uh there's two kinds one that and they both function like a propeller the current goes past them they spin and they got rattles in them and the rattles shake and make noise and vibration oh no kidding that's and awesome as far, as far as hooks go for flatheads use the biggest hook you can get away with because they got that giant mouth and i say like i tell people i use a 10 j hook and they're like holy crap why would you ever need a hook that big well you think about the hook size in comparison to the mouth think about the lures you use for bluegills in comparison to their mouth size lots of times the hook fills their whole mouth yeah like you would need a 30 yacht j hook to fill the whole mouth of a 50 pound flathead so a 10 is just a little itty bitty speck compared to um that your the hooks jig hooks that i'm using for bluegills and creek chubs and stuff so i I use the biggest hook i can with the widest gap i can and my hookup rates really went up some people use circles i'm not a fan because like i said those flatheads they don't always hammer it they'll suck it in especially during the day yeah there'll be times where they suck it in and just sit there and your rod will go thump when they suck it in and maybe dip just a little bit and just stay there they're just sitting there with the bait in their mouth and if you have a circle hook you got to wait for them to turn around you yeah. can reel down on them and i've done that but lots of times the hook just pops out but with a j hook you reel down on them and that point starts to dig into like the roof of their mouth or even the corner sometimes and once you feel that really start to load up you can set the hook even when they're looking right at you so do you use like an extra wide gap i mean because i imagine you're fishing big bait and with just with a regular j hook wouldn't the the point of the hook get kind of covered up by the bait no you you no. you have this giant 10 knot j hook uh, it's an octopus style oh uh, okay okay so it's really wide gap as it is and i generally hook baits during the day i hook them through the nose because there's a more durable hooking spot that leaves a lot of hook exposed and that way if you get snagged which happens you don't yank on the snag and let it bury into that log that it started to poke into as soon as you feel a little resistance, you just drop down and try to wiggle it off of the log. And then you get your bait and your rig back, you know, more often than you don't. Whereas uh, um, at night I hook them in the tail, but I hook them, you know, through the thinnest part of the tail. That way it leaves a lot of that hook exposed. And you don't want to hide the hook. The flatheads, they don't give a crap. They don't know what a hook is. They eat stuff that pokes them all the time, like bullheads and bluegills and sunfish anyway. So they don't give a crap if there's a hook in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting what you just touched on too. Why do you why do you change it from hooking through the nose to hooking through the tail? What's what's the point in that? Well, at night they they do struggle more if you hook them through the tail. But when if you you're gonna be fishing in the really thick stuff during the day more so than at night, and you're more likely to get snagged during the day than at night. So if I hook them through the nose and I have to wiggle that hook off of a log that is starting to bury into that bait's more likely to stay on there because it's tough to carry a ton of baits in a kayak. Like generally in a day for, sure. for a day float, I'm, I'm taking 12 to 18 baits is all. 
So I got to make them last. Okay. So when you're fishing at night, are you setting up above structure or below structure? Um, it just, it's, it's like everything else. It just depends. Some spots lend themselves to being able to set up above the structure, uh-huh. some spots below it, but it's all based on river level. You know, if the river's blown up and you got a Creek that runs upstream of your structure, I'm going to fish that Creek upstream. But if that same Creek was downstream, I'll, I'll fish the Creek mouth downstream. I'm just looking for current breaks and stuff like that to set baits up on. So do they move through current or do they just kind of stay to the slack water? Uh, I feel like they tend to stay towards the slower moving current. Uh, slack water, they'll move into but, uh, something with a very, very, very moderate flow. I tend to do better than completely slack water. Interesting. Okay. I was just kind of thinking at night, man, um, with it being so dark, I don't know how good the flathead's visions are. So they may rely on their lateral lines and the vibration of that fish. So if you're hooking through the tail, it's kicking more. Now, some people I've talked to, hooking them through the back and popping the hook up and trying to break their back and that fish will go just absolutely crazy. Um, then that, that tends to attract them a lot too and low, uh, like, uh, visibility water sure. and stuff like that. Dirty water, muddy water. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I like to take a nap when I'm fishing all night. <laughs> so I want my bait to be real lively and I want it to stay alive as long as it can. So that way I know my bait's still working even when I'm snoozing. Yeah. What size bluegills are you throwing out there when you're throwing them? Yeah, you know, there's no bait too big of any kind. Uh, really? Just, yeah. It, they can eat up to a third their body weight in one bite. So That's insane. You can cast it, they'll eat it. I've caught flatheads on four-pound carp. <laughs> you've, sent me some, uh, you've sent me some monster pictures here, man. What's your personal best that you've reeled in so far? Uh, my biggest flathead is 55 pounds. Lord. What was that fight like? Uh, he fought like a champ. Uh, I caught it in a float under float in about three feet of water at night and it ate a big bullhead. I was sleeping and I was fishing with Ryan and I wake up to him going, Hey, you're going to, you're going to catch that fish or what? (laughs) uh, And I hear the clicker roll and I run over and grab it and let the rod load up and smoked him on the hook set. She gave me everything I wanted. Do you clip? the uh the top fins off these bullheads i'm gonna do a video where i experiment with that i don't uh, No. the way i look at it is the flatheads don't clip them off before they eat them why do they give a crap but i'm gonna try it i tried to do it in a video last year i only tried it once and i didn't catch anything so it never really became a video but uh, i'm gonna give it you know some more time this spring so how big is a big bullhead eight uh, ten twelve my favorite size would probably be 12 to 15 inches. Oh my God. That's monster, dude. That's I know, shark bait. Right. I've, <laughs> I've caught sharks on smaller baits, but you gotta, I mean, these guys, they're the tiger sharks of where they live. They, they eat what they want. And, um, that's the, the thing too. I think that makes them hard to catch is they'll eat a giant bait bigger than anything you cast. And then they just go back and, and, digest it for a couple days and then they don't move no kidding Um, yeah there i i uh i caught my biggest crappie ever was 17 inches and i caught it when i was bait fishing so it went in the bucket too and i was fishing a reservoir that's when i was trying to figure out reservoir flatheads which reservoir flatheads i mean it's about as effective as a 
I don't know. They're tough, man. It's just like punching yourself in the face. <laughs> like No kidding. It. Yeah. Um, but I fished 10 days, 10 nights leading up to this night. This was when I was in college. I was single. I didn't have anything else to do. So I really fished a ton then. And uh, fished 10 nights straight, no flatheads. But this night I caught that big crappie and I put him under a bobber. And he got smoked 15 minutes into it. Oh, my gosh. And that was, I, the hook pulled. I never, I should have been using a bigger hook. I was only using an dot through the tail because that's all I had because I was broke college kid. And they were like cheapo live bait hooks I picked up at a swap meet. But I smoked him on the hook set. And that's when all I had was like my lighter shark gear. And I had a Daiwa Slosh 50 with like 80 pound mono and uh, a broomstick, six and a half foot ugly stick. And I smoked him on the hook set. And that, I mean, 30 pounds of drag on that Slosh, slosh 50. And that rod looked like a horseshoe. Oh I never did gain an inch. 30 second standstill, like big head shakes making the rod go wham, wham, wham over and over again. And then the hook pulled. I had bruises on my stomach the next morning because of the rod, the head shakes through that rod. But my holy gunset. crap, man. So we'll never know. But uh, that was that was the biggest fish I've I've hooked in freshwater for sure. Man, I never would have thought you're using bait that big. I'd never, never have thrown any bait that big for catfish. Maybe, maybe a six inch bluegill, Dude, but never that. Because like late in the summer, in the fall, there's so much shad in the water here that's like four to six inches long. Where if your bait's that size, it's just fitting in. You need something that stands out. No kidding. Man. And some of it's a trade off though, because you can't carry very many of them giant baits in a kayak. No. Not yet. I may be working on something for somebody too that may change that a little bit, but I like to learn. Yeah, man, that would be awesome, dude. To be able to, when you're carrying around these uh, with these baits, are you just using a cooler? It's modified, like a little aerator. Yeah, basically, a 20 quart cooler with a, a hole drilled through it. And you run your your tubing through there with your air stone, and then you clip your aerator on the side and keep it simple, and it, it works really well. It's got to be impossible to keep shad alive and that kind of stuff, right? You know, I I, try, I started making a shad tank out of 50-quart cooler. And the the thing is with shad, we can't transport them from body water to body water. Oh, okay. So you got to catch them on the body water you're fishing, and that's not always practical. And yeah. take that 50-quart cooler with no bait and say, I'm going to catch shad today out of a kayak that I can't motor up river and check out places it was just so much it would cut into my fishing time too much yeah so i said i'm i'll catch more fish if i'm more efficient i'm just going to be more efficient by using sunfish and bluegills and bullheads what would you say your number one bait is if you can have one bait what would it be aside from shad small carp would be my favorite but those are really tough to get consistently my the bait that i like the best that i can get consistently it's got to be green sunfish. Bullheads seem to get my biggest fish every year, but as far as putting fish in the kayak, green sunfish seem to get the job done when other no stuff. No kidding. Huh. But, That's interesting. What? Why carp, man? Is just because it's so oily? Well, I mean, you're using them alive. They're super active. You know, you you hook them through the tail and they just struggle for hours and hours. And they're, you know, a small carp's 10, 12 inches, and that puts out a pretty good amount of vibrations in the water. And that's what calls those big ones in. Yeah, along with that Versa rattle. Yes, along with that Versa rattle hey. shaking behind him. And here I thought I was going to pay my freaking credit card off. It looks like I'm going to be ordering some shit from Whisker Seeker. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, tell them where you where you heard about it from. Oh, uh, I know. Do you have a code that people can drop if they want to order something? Do you? How do we know? I don't. I don't. We got to change that. We're. I need to get in touch with Whiskey Seeker because you guys need a code because here we are. Here's a perfect example why. Um, I found out, I found out about their gear from you and Denny, right? Mm -hmm. And now I have you on this show that has a download of a hundred thousand people. So we just projected that through you guys. I mean, you guys should have some kind of code, some kind of kickback for that, I think, but let's go whiskers keeper. You, you need to step up here. Well, there's a, there's a note section when you order, you can definitely drop those suggestions in the notes. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to today. Dag on it, man. I thought for sure I was going to have that thing paid off soon. I understand. No, it's all good. With everyone else who fishes. I know. That's right, man. So um, I know we're reaching and we're just over an hour here. I don't mean to keep you too long, but why a float? Do you use a float in the river? I mean, that kind of doesn't make, I mean, for me, I'm thinking, why would you want to? Um, I have ADD really bad. It's like not diagnosed, but um, <laughs> I have a hard time focusing on one thing for long periods of time. And it's, I, I use the ones that have the, the glow on top. Yeah. The glow stick on top. Whisker Seeker sells a battery powered one, which is slicker and you know what. But uh um I can sit there on the bank and just watch that thing dance around and just mesmerizing. And then you see or it'll just be chilling and then all of a sudden your bait just goes all over the place and then your bobber goes under and then just starts <laughs> going across the river like the barrels on the back of that shark and jaws. Man, so you're fishing up pools only with floats, right? Um, I, I'm not drifting them. What I'll do is I'll actually put my sinker below them. So where I cast them, they stay in place. And my bait's suspended up off the bottom. And that, that buoyancy, that float keeps that bait struggling more and more and more. And my biggest fish the last four years have came on, uh, it's called the float pattern oster rig with your sinker underneath and your bait suspended. Where's your hook then? Your hook's what, between the sinker and the float? Like how many inches? Um, I, I do anywhere from a foot and a half to three feet off the bottom. Usually. Okay. And are you tying the hook directly between that line? Or are you like uh, tying a kicker where it's like four or six inches of line coming off of it? Oh yeah. I got a kicker. So I'll have my float up here with my float stop and everything. And then below that I'll have a three-way crane swivel. And I'll yeah, tie there we go. six yeah. to eight inch leader off of that, that crane swivel for my hook. And then I'll do a foot and a half to three foot with a sinker underneath it. It sucks to cast. It really does. But for sure, it, it seems to, I don't, those flatheads, they're designed to feed up. If you look at them from an anatomical standpoint, their eyes are placed on top of their head. Their lower jaw sticks out further than their top jaw. And they're designed to cruise underneath the fish and then come up and engulf it. And they'll eat a fish on the bottom too. You know, they'll come in an angle and, or even straight on and just flare their gills and suck it all in. But they are designed to feed up. So bait, even on the surface, like, Dude set ditty poles and you put your bait right on the top of the water to struggle and make a commotion. And those fish, they they float up to it basically without even moving. They're creatures of stealth. They have no scales. They move through the water without letting anything even know they're there. It's like guerrilla warfare. And they sneak up on that fish and just poof, gone. So man, have man, my bait awesome. up off the bottom suspended. I think that calls more fish in. Yeah. So is that why everybody uses those... Um... I don't know the name of them, those floats that go right below the hook too, to kind of keep it off the bottom. Oh, just peg floats. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll do that as well. It's just, it's not as visual, you know, for me to be able to see that bobber, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm a giant little kid, man. I, I love watching a bobber go under. 
What size float are you using? Like a six inch or are you using like the standard 12s? They're uh, whisker seekers are rated by the weight it takes to hold them up and down. So I got one right here. This would be the four ounce one. Looks like a giant corn cob. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's it right now. It takes four ounces to get this thing to stand up straight. And it's a great um, bobber for using. Uh, you know, one to two, maybe even a three pound bait. I've, I've suspended carp heads fishing for blue cats with this, um, the heads off of five pounders. So what's that? A, a one pound piece of bone with no buoyancy it suspends them just fine. Wow. That's amazing. So are you catching your carp like cast net or are you throwing like hooks out there with corn, like Luke Nichols type catfishing? You know, I rarely <laughs> target carp like intentionally. Um, yeah. they end up in a cast net lots of times. Or I'll, I'll even, if I'm walleye fishing, uh, they get snagged a lot because they'll stack up in areas of reduced current. And when you're trying to fish the seam and you're reeling your, your bait in through that slower stuff, you bump into a carp and they get hooked. And if, if one ends up on the bank, usually it turns into bait. Nice. That's awesome. I saw your, your rods, man. Show everybody those rods. Oh, these back here? Yeah. Let's see this those. is the, the, actually, this is a new tackle organizer I got this week. And it was good timing because being quarantined in the house more than what I'm used to. <laughs> I had a project to work on, but yeah, the, the, these are the whisker seeker rods. This is actually the bump and stick. These are the nine and a half footers. And, um, this would be a seven and a half foot heavy with an Abu 6,500 on it. This That's is my awesome. two right there. You rolling single or are you rolling two piece? Uh, the heavies are only in, um, one piece. Okay. I, uh, I actually prefer a two-piece rod because they fit in the bed of my truck a lot better. But yeah, they uh, they get strapped into the passenger seat when we go anywhere now. That's awesome, man. I definitely want a few of those rods, man. I've I've been on the market looking religiously, and I think I'm definitely gonna order a few of those since we get off. So they have the feel of a musky rod with a, a softer tip, which is nice for those natural baits. Yeah. Now, see, that's kind of how I like them, man. I, I don't like a very rigid rod. I, I, even when I bass fish, my favorite's a medium power rod. I like to feel everything. Sure. So even if it's just a tiny nick, I want to feel that bait dancing if it's out there in the water. And I think those rods are going to be epic for that. Mm-hmm. So good deal, man. I think we've got a lot of good stuff, man. You you covered a lot of good information. I know once again, getting one of you guys on the podcast, I've learned so much. I definitely appreciate that. I never would have thought in a million years throwing bait that big. That's insane. Well, you just look at how big their miles are, man. They don't have any problem taking a bait like that down. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Is there any uh, sponsors you want to give a shout out to? I know we, uh, we spoke about Whisker Seeker probably a dozen times, but um, I know they're real pop- popular throughout the community, and they definitely have my attention for sure. Well, my kayaks that I like are new canoes, and it's another one of those things. I wouldn't have um, taken a sponsorship from them if they weren't uh, a kayak that I absolutely love. And if you're wanting to fish out of a kayak that's super stable, that's the number one out there, for, in my opinion. And not only is it super stable, but it's light. Even though it's super stable, you have a 40-inch wide kayak that weighs 70 pounds. It's easy to move around. It's easy to drag up a riverbank because there's lots of places I don't have a boat ramp. I got to drag it up down a mountain underneath a bridge to, know, to get in and out of the water. So having a lighter, stable kayak's big, big for me. And they got an awesome seat too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and they can we, mount 
they take on a torpedo because I might have just purchased a torpedo about two oh, weeks. Oh man, there you go. You're in it now, dude. Torpedoes are freaking awesome. Yeah, they are awesome. So we just actually last night, um, Brad Hicks and Brian Schiller of our uh, Paddle Fin Podcast, two of our hosts there, they just had the new canoe guys on there and did a product review on new canoes. Nice. So that's going to be released. Actually, I think that dropped today. So that's available on our podcast. Um, it'll be, you know, four days old by the time they hear this podcast. But if you want to listen to that too, man, um, that's killer, dude. How are you rigging that? How are you rigging that up? I mean, just very basic. I'm going to put a video out here before too long of, of how I rig it up, but I keep it simple because I want that, that space wide open so I can yeah. lay that fish down in there. But I got two rod holders on the front mounted in the tracks on the sides and I got a fish finder. I got a camera boom, camera boom in the back, and that's it. Homemade camera booms or using the Yak Attacks? No, I use RAM mounts for everything. RAM mount, fish yeah. finder. Um, another t- uh, company that I'm sponsored by, Stealth Rod Holders. And what I really like about them is they're compact and still super duper, duper tough. Because the flatheads don't usually smoke it, but those big blue cats hit your bait like they want to flip your kayak over three times. And uh, you better have something sturdy when one of those hits. Oh, are those a composite rod holder? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I like I like those over like some dudes are using the Driftmasters and the Monster rod holders um, that are metal, uh-huh. and they're just not they're not adjustable. You know, you tighten the wing nut down or the nut down, and then then your rods are angled out like that, and that's all yeah. you got. But with the composites, you can change angles whenever you need based on how you're fishing. Yeah, I have Driftmasters and I have the Yak Attack and Mega Pros. Uh, I have both of them. Now, my Driftmasters, they have big butterfly nuts on them. So I'm, I am able to kind of angle those and screw that butterfly nut back down. Um, so I do enjoy those, but the, the Yak Attack ones, they work just as well. And, um, you know, I touched base on this earlier. I guess I could probably say it, but Steve and I are going to work on a, a rod holder for kayaks as well. That's going to pair really? up. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to put something together for that. Um, that's killer, man. So just a very plain, basic layout on your kayak, uh, nothing fancy, no fish finder, nothing like that. I got a helix on there. Um, that's as fancy as it, it goes, just rod holders, camera booms. And then I got a helix five. Okay. So are you looking for, what are you looking for on the helix? Are you looking for the fish or structure? Uh, just depth more than yeah. anything. If you're not going to see flatheads on a fish finder, at least in the small streams that I fish. Mm-hmm. They're, they're tucked under stuff. Uh, reservoirs, they get moving around during the day more often, and you're more likely to see them. But it's not the case where I'm at. I want to know depths. Uh, if I'm drifting for blue cats, I use it to look for fish, and then also how fast I'm drifting. And uh, water temp. Water temp's a big one, too. So where are you going to hit with a torquito, these reservoirs? I'm going to use it to go up river further than I would have if I just paddled. No kidding. So you must fish some deeper rivers then, right? Um, no, <laughs> I'm putting a rock guard on it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you better put a rock guard on that thing. I know I didn't have one of mine and I, I broke the, I broke it. So I had to get it replaced. Well, not, that was with Jeff Little. It was his, I shouldn't say I had to get it replaced, but he passed it up and put a rock guard on it, thankfully. But yeah, definitely. If you're going to use them in the river, definitely have to have one of those. Mm-hmm. No, uh, so. and I got the three horse, so hopefully it'll be able to get me upstream a ways. Yeah, it will, man. Those things are awesome, dude. What size battery did you get with it? I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, it's probably it's probably the 900 amp hour, I think, which is yes. it's going to last you freaking forever. Yeah. 
Well, Good deal, man. It, it opened more options for me during the summer because I'm a teacher and I have the days off during the week. I don't have to rely on a shuttle or um, just fish off the bank because I can't find anyone to, to kayak with me. So I'll hopefully should open up some new opportunities. I kind of like it that way. Um, I, I kind of like fishing by myself because I, I will like I'll wade upriver through the, the riffles and stuff and then I'll paddle mm-hmm. and then I'll wade up and I'll get one or two miles up and then yeah. fish back. I, I don't mind fishing that way, man. It's it's kind of I don't know. I like getting away from everybody. Professionally, I'm talking to people all day long. So I get it, man. I'm yeah, talking buddy. to 12 year olds all day long. It's <laughs> nice to be by myself every once in a while. I do oh, really man. enjoy being around those 12 year olds, but I got to have my alone time, too. Oh my gosh! Better you than me. I have a twelve-year-old in the next room. It's preteen, and oh god, everything's dramatic. <laughs> oh, I love it. I just, I just pick on them and talk trash all day. It's a good time. Oh, that's freaking awesome. Well, man, I we'll go ahead and wrap up. It's been over an hour here. I don't want to take more of your day, so I appreciate you coming on, man. Tell everybody where they can find you. Your social media. Uh, everything's river certified. Uh, Instagram, Facebook. I got a TikTok now. Just put a new TikTok video out. Uh, and then YouTube, all everything, River Certified. Right on, brother. I appreciate you coming on. Hope you have a good one. I had fun, man. I, it was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. We'll holler at you guys later. Sounds good. You too. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle, the letter N and fin.com. Also check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, or want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the Paddle and Fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the recycled plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water.